Hey guys, and welcome back to the Penny Spans podcast with your host Kia. And this is a podcast where we aim to dispel your myths, simplify difficult financial jargon, and rectify your own personal problems. We're back again with another episode, but in a different way today. I am excited but nervous because this episode is going to be about me and my journey, but obviously I can't ask myself questions. So I'm here with my lovely friend Martina, who Hi. is now going to take it away. And I have no idea what you're going to ask me. Yes. I guess we're going to get into my journey because that's something I've never shared on my platform before properly. Yeah. So I think, I guess we'll start at the very beginning. Yeah. You put a story up, I think it was maybe last week. Yes. Um, Somebody messaged you and they wanted to know like, okay, we really appreciate you interviewing other people, but we haven't really had a chance to hear about your story. So I took it as an opportunity to slide into your DMs because um, we went to secondary school together. We didn't go to sixth form together. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to uni together. No. But somehow we ended up living together in fed year. So I just thought like this was kind of like, if anyone was going to help you yeah. in this kind of, there are quite a few people that could do it. But I was just like, why not? Appreciate you. So let's take it back to the very, very beginning so I guess I think you were probably around 14, 15. Okay. And you had a blog. Yes. So right? I think... But before we talk about okay. the blog, yeah. let's talk about the things that happened before that. Because I know that in our school, we went to an all-girls school and not many people were doing that stuff, right? People weren't yeah. really writing blogs. People weren't really no. on the internet. We were watching that stuff, but we weren't creating it. Yeah. We were shot in in the shed you know <laughs> and I was buying from you like yes I was selling in school yeah so okay. what was the like what was it that you were selling and how did we get there so I was selling cookies and donuts well I started off with cookies then I added on donuts so I was selling like cookies or donuts what made you think you could add on donuts do you know what it was okay so <laughs> I've told I've told this story on like one of podcasts but what it was I was in year seven, so we'd been there for like two weeks, right? Yeah. And I'd seen like the year nines come into our playground. So obviously we were separated, year seven and eight, yeah. separate playground. And I'd seen them come and they were selling cookies. And I said, I said, oh, this is interesting. Now, well, I went up to the sort of girl and I said, oh, how much are you selling it for 50p? Went to Sainsbury's on my way home and saw it was selling for a pound for five. So she's selling 50p for one. And I remember I went home to my dad and my mum, sat them down. You know, like Dragon's Den. <laughs> so I got a position for you guys. Yeah. I need a five pound investment because this is what I'm going to do. This house is going to work. And I said to, I said to them, I'll give you your money back tomorrow. Like, give me five pounds today and you'll have it back tomorrow. That's how confident I was in selling it. And my dad said, I want it back tomorrow. You know, I don't want to hear any excuses. I want it tomorrow. He gave me five pounds. I said, cool. On my way to school, bought five packs of cookies. That's how much I could afford. Sold them all. So I made £25 revenue. Okay. Gave my dad back his £5, had £20 profit, used £5 from that to carry on. And that's how I started. And that was me for the whole of secondary school. How did you do that maths? What made you decide that, okay, I'm going to sell each cookie for what? I think a pound? 50p. I, I picked 50p because that's what everyone else was doing. And I said, you know, when you actually do the maths on it, that's like £20 a day that I'm making. And that is such good money if I do five packs every day. Um, yeah, so I started off with that. And then... I realised that there were quite a few girls in it. I think I was the only one in year seven at the time selling, but it was the older girls who were selling. So I decided to be cheeky. I don't know who sent me. I don't know who sent me. But for context, I sold, I was selling stuff when I was nine. So when I was in primary school, I used to make scarves by hand. So I used to go in school, tell people what scarf do you want, what colour. On my way home, my mum would take me to the shop. We'd buy the wool and 
like after I done my homework, I'd make the scarf and I'd bring it in the next day. So I was making money. So I was used to selling stuff and doing like this kind of maths. So now I'm in year seven and I realised these girls, I said, why would someone come to me and not them? Like, what is it? That, there's nothing that differentiates me. So I lowered my price to 40p. Okay. So I made less profit, but people stopped going to the year nine girls and were coming to me because yeah. it's cheaper. Then the year nine girls caught on. They lowered theirs 40p. So I lowered mine to 30p. Okay. Now here I made like literally no profit. Like I was basically not making profit, but I knew it was going to be short term because I knew the girls were going to be like, we can't make money here. Like we can't compete yeah. with 30p. And I was right. So they stopped selling. So I raised it right back to 50p and I carried on and I made my money. Because I was actually going to ask you, um, I work in social and a lot of people worry about coming into like being the next slash tech or being the next anything because the market is too saturated. You're in a place where you're comfortable coming in at 50p knowing that everyone else is doing that too. At what point did you realise that like, actually, like I have to lower my prices? Within the first week or two of doing it, because people from my year group were buying it, but the amount I wanted to shift, I was like, I can't just rely on our year group. Not everyone likes cookies. Not everyone's interested in buying, uh, you know, at lunchtime or break time. So I realised, I said, oh, do you know what? Why would they come for me? And the year nines are scary. The year nines used to go up to the girls and say, buy from me. So the girls <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, I was scary. giving up my 50p because why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, no, I've got to actually separate myself. And I knew it would work out. Well, I didn't, I had nothing to go by. I had nothing to judge it on. But I said, Do you know what? 40p, no harm done. Let's talk about the whole, like, you had nothing to go by, but you still done it. Yeah. You essentially took a risk. Yeah. I mean, I think earlier I asked you, why did you think that you could, like, add on donuts? And I asked that because I think there's there's a, a level of audacity that you had and still have. And, and I don't say that in, like, a bad way, because I think having audacity is something that we all need, because if you don't have it, sometimes... You're not going to get the opportunities that you want. Is that something that you've kind of always had, like, from young? Because I think for as long as I've known you, like, you've always been the person to be like, you know what, like, let's, let's, <laughs> let's just go. Let's just go. So, yeah, like, is that something that you've always had from when you were young? Yeah, because I just think, why not? If something doesn't work out, what's the worst that can happen to me? I always calculate, what's the worst that's going to happen if this doesn't pan out? So when I added on donuts, for this example... That was actually my mum's idea. So my mum was very like, oh, my, gosh, my, my daughter's making loads of money. She's like, oh, my own personal <laughs> bank at home. Yeah, my mum, she wasn't supportive. I was her bank at home. Fair she couldn't right. go to the high street. She'd borrow from me and then give back to me the next day because the money's at home. Okay, right? yeah. Um, but again, she was very proud of me, you know, obviously you weren't meant to do it, but she said, yeah, she was there. She's like, you're making your money, do your thing. Um, and she, it was because she told me, because at the time Iceland was selling donuts and they were selling a pack of 20 frozen for a pound, right? So this is something I've never touched on. But what we used to do, so cookies, always there. Five packs was like my standard. Mm. Then we brought in donuts. So my mom, every single morning, like as in the night before, so I've gone to bed, she's took up, taken out my donuts and defrosted them for me, right? In the morning now, we've bagged them. So I'd sell them, what would I do? I'd do 30p for one or 50p for two. So we bagged them. We do, I think we, we did the math. We did something like, I don't know the exact numbers now, but like we do like six bags of one and then five bags of duos, right? Something like that. Yeah, we do whatever the maths is, something like that. Um, and then obviously when I started selling, I realised that duos were going more because 50p, people are like, it's only 20p more and I get two. So we'd bag more duos and singles. Um, but yeah, that's what she did every single day. And I had no idea if people wanted donuts. And it wasn't the standard Sainsbury's donuts. It was different ones that were smaller. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm kind of taking a risk here. I don't know. 
But I said, what's the worst? Like, what, what do I lose? If it doesn't sell, I come back with donuts and I've lost a couple of pounds, right? Am I going to die from it? No. Is it going to hurt me? No. So I said, why not? And then it worked out. So that's what I incorporated. So I was selling cookies and donuts. And as we got along, I had helpers. So I had helpers selling cookies. I was selling donuts. So I had four people running around for me. Okay. I was making so much money. I was like a drug lord with cookies and donuts. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. I literally had minions running around. I'm making so much money. I can't even, can't even believe it. Would you say that you took that same approach to your blog? So when you started Divina Sata, yep. the natural hair blog, yep. talking all things natural hair, you showing us how to do the latest styles, the latest products, yeah. all of that stuff, latest natural hair events. Yeah. Did you take that approach too? I think that one was, I was into my natural hair. So that was obviously, that was a big part of me. And I think I was kind of like, yeah, why not? Yeah, same thing, like, what's the worst that can happen? People don't read it. Okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be upset. Yeah. I'll just figure out something else that is going to work. Yeah. But equally, if it does work, brilliant. And now I've done this and I can carry on. And I just feel like there's so many things that we try in life and you never know what's going to work unless you do it. Absolutely. Because I've done stuff and maybe it didn't pan out the way I wanted it or it didn't, like just things just didn't go the way I wanted it to. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And you always take lessons from everything, whether it works or it doesn't work. Yeah. But then it helps me to move on to the next thing. And I definitely think all of the things now that we're going to touch on has helped me to be where I am because I've learned so many different things along the way. So yeah, with the blog, I was like, why not? We were talking about this in the lift with the lady that helped us get up here, but you have kind of evolved into like the face of like finance. Yeah. But you're not necessarily, I guess, the most people person in general like that's not like if Kia was in her comfort zone yeah. like Kia is quiet to herself yeah did you feel like obviously you've now created this blog about like natural hair did you feel like you had to become natural hair yeah yeah I I, I think for about a year and a half I didn't have braids I love braids obviously I've got them on now but I, I didn't have braids because I felt like I had to uphold a certain image mm -hmm. and I think that is still reflective to where I am today the way I feel like people have this perception of me yeah. that I must maintain. Yeah. So I felt like I had to be a natural hair. If I'm out at events, I've got to be a certain way because this is what people expect from me as opposed to being me. Because I think the side that people see of me outside versus yeah. what my friends see is two different people. Just to touch on what you've just said, because I know I do want to go to the past because people want to know what's happened before they kind of found out who Ikea was because that's who everyone knew you as yeah, before you actually told people that your name was Kia Commodore yeah. like it was you were getting emails like hey Ikea like <laughs> and I remember we'd be in my um in my nan's um living yeah. room and we'd just be like <laughs> <laughs> no one knew my name I was either K or Ikea yeah so what made you like do that because I remember people would call you K because you had K colors the yeah yeah, yeah. The, the hair stuff and you're yeah. also on YouTube beforehand yeah. just doing like general lifestyle university yeah. hair all of that beauty stuff what made you then decide okay I'm ready to come out as Kia Commodore but also like I'm ready to be this thing that like I know that isn't nece not necessarily not you because it is you and it's not that you're like you're putting on a front you're just being more social and more yeah. like present on the internet then maybe you'd prefer to be oh I would say for me putting my full name online was do you know it was <laughs> I, I don't know if you had this growing up but I, I feel like my parents were a bit extreme so 
I basically wasn't allowed to Facebook growing up because they were scared that strangers would find me and they're going to find out where I live and kidnap me and they'll never see me again, right? So they said, don't ever put your full name online, they'll find you. And I had a secret Facebook account, my parents found it and I was exiled for so long. So you find my old Facebook account, I'm not telling you, but it's another name. It literally stops at year eight because that's when I got found out and <laughs> never carried on, genuinely. <laughs> Literally, you can see exactly where it stops. That's where my parents found out. So what did you do in university when everyone was adding each other on um, on Facebook? I wasn't part of it. So how did you avoid that conversation? Like when your teachers were asking you, hey, Kia, I just don't use it. But really, treat my parents. But Kia, we need it it for... Here's my email. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have Facebook. Literally, my parents stopped me in year eight and that was it. So I feel like, obviously, as I had the other social media channels as I grew up, I never used my real name. So Ikea obviously was my at name. And then I think it was some people from school started calling me Kay. Personally, for anyone watching, I'm going to say this to the camera, for anyone watching, I really, I'm not a fan of nicknames. I'm not, I never have been. I'm going to be honest. My name is three letters long and I never understand because nicknames are always longer than my name. It's true. And I never like it. And Kay is also three letters, so. So that's why I tolerate, I was the only one I could tolerate. I didn't necessarily like it, but I tolerated it. And then when everything blew up, because obviously I didn't plan things to blow up, it was like, my tweets now blown up. People now, yeah, have you seen that like, K-Girl? It was like I couldn't control. I'm trying to tell people my real name and everyone's ignoring it. It's either Ikea or K. And I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm changing everything. I'm letting everyone know I'm Kia Commodore. And that, for me, I think I realised there's even like articles that have been written about me and stuff and they've almost been lost because they've been put under K or Ikea when they could have been put under Kia Commodore. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to go back. Now, when I look back, you can, I think it goes back to about mid-2020, because that's when I decided to change my name. Everything before that is still K, like meet K or blah, blah. So you can search it, but you know, it's not as easy. And I just decided, I said, now I've got to do it. You just mentioned that your tweet blew up, but the tweet blew up. Which one was that? I think that was the Help to Buy ISA thread. What made you do that? So. And where were you when it was blowing up? (laughs) So I did this because... A friend of ours, who's a couple of years above us, mm-hmm. so the help to buy ice was everywhere. Get it before it closes, blah, blah. I've seen people online saying, my parents told me to open one, put one pound in there. What does this even mean? I'm just doing it because they told me to. No one understood it. Yeah. So I said, because I used to do, obviously, money-saving videos, I think, the year prior. Yeah. But I stopped doing them. And then I think the mutual friend reached out and said, oh, Kia, would you be able to do like something on your Instagram stories? Because at the time, that was my bigger following. I said, yeah, no, I can. So I said to her, do you reckon I should like write it on Instagram stories or do you reckon I should like tweet it and then screenshot it? Should I tweet it and screenshot it? Cool. So I remember I was writing on the train. I was working at Apple part-time at the time. I saw at university. Writing on the train. I was just making sure that I've, you know, obviously fact-checked everything while I'm on the train. Um, and I got it all done. So obviously I had no internet underground. So I saved the draft, got into work. So we have a meeting before we start work. So I go into that meeting and I hit tweet. And I thought I'd tweet it. When I have my next break, my lunch break, I will screenshot it and put it in my story. So that's what I did. And we weren't allowed phones on the shop floor because I was working on the shop floor. So I was like, cool. Come back to my phone. I'm thinking, oh yeah, let me put up my stories now. And at this time, like I don't have notifications on my phone anymore. Like I don't see any notifications on any social media, but at the time I had notifications. And my phone wouldn't work because every time I'm trying to, it's just, I was like, what, what's going on? I had like 700 followers. And then when when I f- my phone finally unlocked, I had 5,000. I said, sorry. Do you not remember? I was like, counting that. And I, I read screenshot and I yeah. just be like, hey, get up, get up, I was like, what has happened? Because so many people like you messaging saying, have you seen your tweet? I said, sorry, sorry, I was working. I had missed calls. I said, guys, I was working. I have a job. I have a job. And I was just like, oh my gosh, because I didn't expect it. 
And I came back to, well, at that time I had 100 DMs and I said, oh my gosh. So I didn't know what to do. So I left my phone again, you know, just got scared. Came back after another four hours when I was done with my shift. I had 400 DMs and I think it had something like 10K retweets. And I said, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing now. I had no clue because I, I didn't prep for this. I didn't, you know, so it, it's not something I said, yeah, this is going to be the one that bangs. And yeah, it wasn't that. I literally was meant to screenshot it to put on my Instagram story. So when it did numbers, I said, um, okay. I don't know what to say. And people were sending it to their, your younger brother, younger sister, you open this, yeah, look at this thread. And I was just so overwhelmed. I had no, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that I had to make it something. That's one thing I knew. And I remember telling people at work, telling everyone around me, I'm going to make it something. And you know, people just say like, okay, it's just a tweet. I said, no, I can see I'm going to make it something. I'm not going to let this hype die down. Yeah. And then from there, what happened next? From there, I replied to everyone. Don't know how the hell. How do you uh, reply to 400 DMs? I, that was a job in itself. I promise you, I, I clocked out to, to clock in to my, my job of answering DMs that evening. Did you like create like a copy of any? Like, did you draft a message and copy and paste? No, because I was all new to this. Now I would do that. I literally replied to every single person. I read every single message and I replied to every single person, typing it all out. How did that make you feel? Because I remember we would have conversations beforehand about, obviously we wanted to be yeah, like yeah. influencers. We yeah, wanted to become like proper like lifestyle yeah. and like business creators because we knew that we, like you said before, you were still creating money videos. You yeah. knew it was something that you wanted to do, but you also kind of wanted to go on the lifestyle fashion side. You wanted to do that, but you kind of felt like, we kind of felt like we were asking for things that we didn't feel like we were completely ready for. So we were okay with being where we were, but like we knew we wanted more. Yeah. Like you were literally in a position where like you were given something that was kind of like not completely on the other side of the spectrum, yeah. but it was kind of different to what you were doing, more intense and at like 10 times what you were ready for. 100%. What was going through your mind? I was just like, how do so many people know who I am now? Like I was getting messages of people who were going into banks and showing my tweet and saying, I want to open this. I don't even know what, like, this is what I want to open up. And then I had people who worked at banks saying that we've had about 50 people coming in with, a with your tweet. We're trying to find you. So I'm DMing you to say like, thank you so much. You've helped so many young people. And all of that is just overwhelming. It's like overnight, I'm now helping so many people. And I just didn't know how to cope with it and I think you're right like I don't think you're ever ready but I definitely was not ready then how did that make you feel like the whole uh, like overnight you're essentially like a role model for, for cement for many people like Instagram was your platform and all of a sudden now people expect you to tweet on a platform that you kind of deem to be scary yeah I think it was overwhelming in the sense that I started at 21 I was thrown into this and I'm happy it happened. I can look back at it and I'm happy. But when you have people, your peers, and even people older than you looking to you, that is a heavy burden to carry at 21. Mm -hmm. And then within a couple of weeks, the BBC reached out to me and I got brought down to the studios to do live radio. And it's like my whole life changed literally from one tweet. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in BBC studios doing this, is that. There was one week, I think it was like literally like about two weeks after that tweet, I was on the radio three times one week. I was in three different BBC studios. And I was like, oh my gosh, it hasn't been a month. Like, what on earth from one tweet? This is now what I'm doing. Obviously, I, I was still tweeting afterwards, but I felt like I had this persona to keep up now. And I was 21. I was trying to figure out life. I was just trying to get through and graduate. That's what I wanted to do. And now I am seen as this 
financial guru who is the person to to follow and look to when you want financial help. And I was happy for it, but I wasn't fully ready. So I had to figure out how I was going to do that. And if I even wanted to do it, because I could have let the tweet die and just said, I'm done. Do you think you've figured out how you want to do that now? Because I feel like you've started to show more of your, you've reappeared on Instagram stories yeah. more. Yeah. You're no longer just on Twitter. No. So have you kind of decided or figured out a balance of like, this is Kia and this is Kia, the founder of Pennies to Pounds and the Blueprint Agency and the person that has worked with all of these like, banks and these businesses and you look up to for financial advice like do you think you found that kind of balance yet or is it something that you still struggle with that's a really good question I think it's still something that I'm working on because I think I think I've done so well creating this persona of me that I think is older than I actually am that people when I am just living life like people forget that I am just 24 and I just started this at 21 and I'm not going to let go of my youth because I'm doing this. I'm so grateful that I'm able to do this. I'm so grateful I'm able to help some people, but I also want to enjoy my life at the same time. And I think sometimes people are like, oh yeah, you're young, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I started three years ago. I, I am young and I still want to live that. And I think I'm just trying to strike that balance where when it comes to work with banks and going to radio and going on TV, this is one Kia. But there's also another key who coexists, who is young and wants to just live life and explore and go and travel and do all these things. So I'm still trying to figure out that balance. Are we ever going to see the Kia that was the owner of K-Colors, the person that was dyeing people's hair, like the one that was the creator of like the epic ginger that Shani Jamila had? Like, are we going to see her? Because I remember there was a time where I think there was a meeting you had and we were discussing what wig you should wear. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that was, I think, at the very beginning where you are young, right? You are, you loved colour. Yeah. Like, if there was anything that he was going to do, it, she was going to wear a coloured wig. I was going to have coloured hair for sure. She was going to have a coloured wig. And I hated to see you kind of feel like you had to, like, dial that down just yeah. to kind of fit in in a space that was welcoming you, but you didn't feel welcome in. Do you know, do you know what it is? I think there's so many parts of my journey that I just haven't shared where I was made to feel that I had to be a certain way. I was from the very beginning, because I was so young, questioned about my knowledge, questioned about qualifications and this and that. When there are men in that space who have no qualifications other than just trust me, man. And they're able to carry on. And I just didn't understand why that same race wasn't given to me. And I remember i gone to meetings because I'm still 21 I'm still trying to I don't know what business attire really is you know I know six form attire I don't know anything else and maybe I wasn't dressed fully appropriate like like, I don't know I'm just kind of coming like what I think is and what is appropriate because I guess if I don't know but I know that there was a lot of judgment placed on me and I felt like I had to be a certain way and even me like I've got a few tattoos I felt like I had to cover them up I didn't want to put them in places where I couldn't cover them I wanted to make sure they were always hidden so I can hide them so no one has this perception of me and I felt like I had to do that to get to a certain point but yeah it was it was hard because I haven't had colored hair in a long time I've just been black hair I love color so much because I felt like I had to be a certain way whereas you know me I'm my blue my ginger everything red I like all colors do you do you regret like letting that part of yourself go temporarily Mm, that's a good question I think I don't regret it because I think I had to do certain things to be respected in this space And I'm aware of that. 
I was so young. I feel like I had more to prove because I was young, I'm black and I'm a woman. And I recognize that. And there were so many black women who placed emphasis on me, like just being a role model, like you're doing the things that I want to do. So I knew the sacrifices that I had to do and had to make. Um, But I think now I'm kind of coming into myself and I'm like, no, I'm going to be myself. It's still the same information I'm telling, same information I'm giving. Why do I just have to have plain hair? Why do I have to just dress a certain way when... Kia wants to dress like this and this is how she dresses. It's still appropriate, but maybe it's a bit, bit more flair or a bit more colour or, you know, all these things. So I am trying to... Would you say that, like, because you felt like you didn't necessarily fit in in this space, that's kind of the reason why you kept on working at Apple? Because I remember, like, everyone was kind of just like, you're at a place now where you're getting opportunities and you're, you're essentially doing what you need to do. Apple was kind of something you kept on doing because... You liked the people you were yeah. planning to stay there for as long as you could. And you were, you were fine. I, I think know. you even then went on to get another job after that. So I've had many jobs after that. I think we don't realize I've had so many jobs after that. <laughs> so would you say that it's that pressure of like not feeling like you actually belong that's kind of kept you, that kind of kept you for a long time still finding or working in other places, even though you knew or like you were in a place where you didn't really have to? Yeah, I think sometimes it's the the lack of self-belief at times. Like, I know I can see what I've built. It's tangible. It's there. I can see how many people I've impacted. and even more that I don't know about that I've impacted. But I can see what I've built. But I think sometimes it's just like, I look at my friends. I'm like, you're you're doing so well. And, you know, people will say, but you're doing well. And I'm like, no, but you're you're working. You're doing so well. And that's secure and stable. You you almost have, obviously, you know, you can use a job tomorrow. We know that. Yeah. But it's more secure than what I'm doing. Like you have a trajectory, you have a clear path. You want to move to this position and that and that, that. You have your clear path. I am making my path and sometimes it goes well. Sometimes I have to rejig it. And I think it's that fear that sometimes does creep in. And obviously when you have people around you, my dad wants the best for me, right? He obviously, he always wants the best for me. But sometimes he thinks, but if you just had like a little job on the side you would know that you're good. Like if something ever goes wrong. And I think sometimes I've let those niggling comments get into my head and I'm like, maybe he's right. Maybe I should just have a job on the side just so I know what I'm doing. But then it takes away from my platform and then it kind of loses me opportunities because I don't have time to do stuff anymore. You know what I mean? I have this circle and I just, yeah. just need to break it and just say, just carry on. So at what point did you decide like, I'm not doing that anymore. This is This is it for me. Girl, that was like three months ago, girl. I had a job. <laughs> I had a job in April, man. No, literally. Literally, I was working in April. Um, and then I resigned within three weeks from that job. Um, not because I don't like working. Like, it's not none of that. You know, there's some people who say, I don't want to work for anyone. I'm not that person. I, if I have to, if 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 everything, if I lost everything tomorrow and I had to go and start my career, I will start my career. Okay. I will do it. I have no qualms with that. But I got given a massive opportunity while I was working there. And I was like, I have to leave because this is, like, I know this is going to change for me. And I think I was still in that space, like, should I work here? I wasn't enjoying the job. I wasn't enjoying the job, but I was going to stick it out because I was like, I've got but it. But why do we do that to ourselves? I don't know. Because every time I have stayed at a job that I have hated, I have regretted it because yeah. I've either had to, like, quit before they fire me or they fired me before I quit. <laughs> And do you remember that one time where I called you at the station crying because because they called me into work yeah. earlier than I should start yeah. to fire me? 
So why do, why? I don't know. I, don't, I think it's because it's the thing that you should do. Well, I, I'm talking about, you know, from my parents' perspective, yeah. you should just work. And I think in our parents' generation and grandparents' generation, you don't have to enjoy what you do. You do it because you need to make money. So enjoy, like my dad's favorite line is like, enjoyment's a bonus, but it's not mandatory. So, you know, you don't have to love a job, but it'd be great if you did. So I think I always have that in the back of my head. Like, I don't need to love it, but it would be ideal if I did, but I didn't enjoy it. But I feel like, well, I was trying to figure out, should I do this? And the opportunity came and I feel like, yeah, every time, every time you pick up something because the fear creeps in, Something comes up which is telling me, Kia, go back onto this path. And I think this is the final time I'm doing it. I'm like, no, I'm not I'm not doing it again. You heard it here first. Yeah, guys, guys. You heard it you. here first. I'm She's here to kidding. stay. I am, I am. Prepare to be sick of her. <laughs> <laughs> this is me again full-time. Because I've had stints of obviously being full-time and then having a job. But this is me full-time again. This is fun. Yeah. What does the future look like for you? <sighs> More coloured hair? I'm I'm definitely going to bring it back because I miss it. And I have people send me pictures of myself from like two years ago, like, Kia, we missed this. When are you bringing this back? And I'm like, I know, I need to do it. But definitely, 100%. Um, I think in terms of Kia, like, I've loved this interview because I feel like people now get to see a different side to me. This has been fun. It's been really fun. Cause I, do you know what? I met someone recently and um, I'm, I'm quite an outgoing person, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you seem very like, Strict and like stern and to the point. I said, me, <laughs> me. And they were like, yeah, they were like, it's calm. Like, it's fine. What? But like, you seem very like, you know, like just kind of just on your stuff and just very strict and whatever. I said, me. Yeah. But when they said that to me, that, that was an eye opener because I realized I have done a poor job of portraying myself properly. I've created this persona that is, I guess, to some extent, very in the box. So I'm trying to now, the future is me showing myself more if you follow me personally on my personal instagram i just live my life man i'm just living my life unapologetically if you don't like it if you want to learn about finance pennies pounds is your go-to i don't i don't ever talk about my personal, my personal stuff on there um i don't like to cross over at all so it's all just straight personal finance but if you want to learn about what i'm doing and who you are yeah then you just follow me personally um and yeah i just want to keep growing i want to keep growing as a person mm-hmm. as well as growing the platform because the platform is so valuable and I invest so much more time than anyone ever sees into building it but I do want to not lose sight of who Kier is because at the end of the day I'm the one who got us to this point so I want to keep growing myself as well. I will just say that it's important to note that as much as you're saying that you want to bring more Kier and this is like been you in a box this has still been you it just hasn't been you to like your entirety right true, yeah. so we don't want to like Give the impression that no, you've no, been no, that, praying that like a, fake yeah. No, 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 not, not that at all. She I'm hasn't fake. been fake. It's just that I, she, I haven't shown all elements of me. I've shown parts of me. Yeah, and you just want to show the world that you are actually a super cool babe that knows you. many things and you know doesn't mind <laughs> wearing the orange. Oh, I wig love the orange. That the orange is great. Is the blue, but oh, um, blue is good as well. I'm, I'm excited for you. It's, you. it's it's been quite fun to like watch Thank and you. like see you just kind of blossom and do all of these things. Like we obviously like you've done loads of stuff. Like we can't even talk about everything that you have done since starting. But honestly, like you should be so proud of yourself you. if you want. Thank you guys. Thank you. No, honestly, no, you're gonna make me cry off camera. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, no thank like, so thank you for having me. Thank you so much. You want This is your podcast episode, so do you want to sign off or just say anything? Um, well, it's been me, Martina Jordine. Um, If you want to find me, I guess, you can find me at, what is my socials? M-G-O-R-T-E-E-N um, on everything because it's just easier for everyone. Like, if it's not the same on everything, change it now. I know, I, but I feel like that was coming for me, guys. When you start a petition, the underscore in my Twitter needs to go, yeah? I said it before, but I was calm about it. Now, the energy's coming. The underscore needs to go because everything else is Ikea. My Twitter's Ikea underscore. This has been the Pennies to Pounds podcast with Kia Commodore yes. and Martina Jordine. See you in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.